This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to researcher and writer Lucas Weber. He's going to be talking about the situation in Mozambique concerning ISIS and the way they're affecting the whole world in a way because they've been causing a big disruption to the maritime situation between Mozambique and Madagascar. That's a very big shipping route through there. It's an interesting situation. There are now private military contractors and special forces from various different countries all around that area trying to stop this lot if you like what we're doing please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popular front before we get into the the situation with the the maritime stuff maybe just for those that don't know explain um isis in mozambique if you like how do they get hold there to understand these kind of dimensions it's important to look at how the uh, insurgency started and then uh, the ice slinks formed from there so uh, just to give a a, a background um, since the insurgency began in 2017 over three or about 3,000 people have died and three quarters of a million have been displaced. Um, and it's produced a considerable humanitarian crisis. Um, the conflict is mostly taking place in um, northern Mozambique in Cabo Delgado. Um, and it, it, since it began in 2017, it's been um, escalating basically, marked by a series of uh, significant uh, operations, I guess. So uh, the organization itself, they're known locally as Al-Shabaab, and the, uh, the consensus is that they have their origins in a religious sect and uh, a movement that kind of began or at least manifested in the late 2000s. In um, the sect came into conflict with the government and uh, religious organizations, which they saw as uh, basically arms of the state. So there was actually interreligious conflict. Um, so the move towards ISIS. Um, it, it kind of began in, well, I guess, to, to understand the Islamic State links, the, the group is considered part of the Islamic State Central African Province, uh, ISCAP. Um, and this is kind of a, an umbrella structure that includes um, uh, the ADF and the Congo, um, El Shabaab in Mozambique, and there is a presence in Somalia as well. Um, so they're considered the Mozambican wing of uh, the Islamic State Central African province. So the move towards ISIS association, it, it, it was marked by a few defining events. So in May of 2018, the group posted an image and a message on Telegram, and they pledged allegiance to uh, the caliph at the time. And then in June of 2019, 
the Islamic State issued its first uh, official communique claiming an attack in Mozambique. Um, a UN report, which took um, intelligence from various member states, they reported that the group has received uh, the reinforcement of trainers, tactical strategists, and financial support from external Islamic State structures, um, which was reportedly arranged by Islamic State networks and enablers in Somalia and, and other East African states. Um, but there is some debate over the exact um, extent of connection uh, to external Islamic State structures. And there's resistance to overemphasizing uh, this connection, basically. It's primarily a local and regional phenomenon, but it has transnational dynamics to it. And one of these dynamics is, of course, the um, Islamic State connections. The command and control uh, relationship is unclear at this point, but there is some kind of connection there. There's definitely a media connection, but sometimes uh, it's very irregular, I guess. And sometimes it's inaccurate what the Islamic State, when they claim an attack. So, and then uh, people who focus on the region, they, they are hesitant to ascribe too much influence to the Islamic State, because they believe it takes away from uh, ex like internal dynamics and the causes and the grievances that produce the insurgency before there is even an Islamic State uh, link. And the government itself, they're, they're fairly keen to blame external actors to uh, not take to avoid responsibility essentially right and they're they're well organized right there was a few situations where they've actually you know gone in for ambushes uh taken ground and held it as well right yeah well um how i look at it, it it's simplified but it's it, it's a way to organize the history and basically the escalation and the growing sophistication of the insurgency, um, there are two major events. So um, what you were referring to, I believe, was uh, the August 2020 yeah. um, takeover of Mosamboa de Praia, which, according to some reports, uh, they still control. Uh, maybe there's some caveats to this, but it, it's an important strategic port town. and. Um, basically, that was the first major event that drew a lot of international attention. So, and even though they had taken over this town before, it's actually the, the cradle of the insurgency. Uh, it, it has its roots in this region. And they, they have taken, they, prior to this, they took control of it, but not, they hadn't uh, launched a operation of that magnitude and held a town of that size for a meaningful period. And uh, if you look at the uh, the operational profile leading up to um, this event in August of 2020, 
they launched a series of probing attacks along the coast to kind of gather intelligence supplies and get a feel um, and plan for what they were going to do. And uh, they can, afterwards, they conducted a, a series of raids against coastal villages, and they used the territory to conduct island hopping um, operations and expand their maritime control, uh, improve their freedom of movement, and grow their power projection capabilities. And you know, and uh, one thing when you read through, say, the weekly reports on uh, the conflict is that a lot of their raids and operations are purpose to acquire money and gather assets and food. So, and then the next major event after this was the recent March 2021 um, operation against Palma. And that was basically the second major event that drew international attention. And Palma, northern Mozambique, Cabo Delgado uh, area is very rich in uh, natural resources and natural gas. And Palma is a major uh, gas-rich coastal town and economic hub. It had a lot of expats uh, in it, which um, it, it's kind of brutal to say, but that's part of the reason why it attracted so much international attention, because there were uh, Westerners um, working in the region. Um, and so they they launched a three-pronged offensive against the town and they remained when they overran it. They they remained active for four days, and they didn't really. Uh, it didn't seem like they wanted to continue to control it because after they uh, robbed banks and gathered food aid, uh, they seemed to kind of melt back away. Um, and around this time, they're also using motorboats in the area to attack fishing villages. And um, during the attack, they were reported to have taken control of a, a large freighter. Uh, Sky News reported that they actually brought a large vessel to uh, during the attack. And uh, while they were launching the assault, they were running back and forth, um, get, uh, reloading and gathering supplies to keep them going. But it's hard to tell uh, how much credence to give this claim. And the attack actually caused... Um, French energy giant Total to su suspend operations on what is the largest private investment project in all of Africa across the whole continent. So it's it's it was significant. Right. Well, yeah. Let's talk a bit about um, how their kind of militant activity has affected uh, this situation. You wrote this article: uh, Mozambique insurgency, Islamic State groups, maritime activity poses potential threat to regional shipping. Now, what I find interesting about it when I was reading it is like there are quite a lot of you know ISIS cells and branches here and there across the world in Africa. But to me, rarely have they managed to cause such actual problems for, you know, commercial businesses, other interests outside of, you know, the innocent people that they kill. Um, this seems like quite a serious situation. So tell us about that. What have they actually done to, uh, you know, cause chaos within the, the maritime activity around Mozambique? They basically showed that they can... Uh, Palma was 
it was secured and had the um, assurance of the government uh, to these large corporations, these giant oil or these giant natural gas projects and the contractors working with the major companies that there is a security buffer and the town would not be overran. Um, So when it happened, that's why there was a lot of expats in the region because there was some sense of security which was assured by the government. Mm. And um, uh, if you look at a map, say it's Palma's on the coast and if you look at, say, uh, I attach like a marine vessel traffic heat map, and you can just see how concentrated the trade flows are uh, through the Mozambique Channel, which is adjacent to these coastal towns. They've been overrunning and raiding. So, Constant, right? Like between Madagascar yeah. and Mozambique, just straight through all the time. Yeah, it, it, it's 30%. I believe it's 30% of global tanker traffic runs through this choke point wow. and and choke points there there's a reason why they receive so much attention uh, from geopolitical strategists because they're such a vulnerable um uh, point uh, area basically where if it's closed off it can cause mass disruption uh, as we saw with the um uh, the recent blockage of the canal by a cargo ship, but there's a major risk essentially of the insurgents translating their onshore success into offshore capabilities. And this has, um, this has uh, caused Lloyd's of London um, and the international underwriting association to designate a section of the coastline as a listed area. And that means that you have to uh, inform your underwriter if you're going to travel this um, designated area and um, insurance rates for the vessels buying this route are expected to rise. So this has caused a, a major disruption. What kind of threat is there for the people, you know, sailing through there doing doing um, trade through that bit of stretch? Is it... Is it the fact that they might be kidnapped, they might be bombed, they might be shot up? Like, what's the actual, uh, the main threat there? Well, there's different levels. So um, fishermen, basically, in in simple um, boats, they've been attacked, they've been robbed. And then you've had sailboats, actually, um, which are commandeered and people were held uh, captive, which was kind of an advancement. And then also the attack on Palma itself has created uh, mass displacement. Uh, that one attack displaced about uh, estimated 70,000 people alone. So a lot of these people, they're fleeing by uh, water and they have to um, uh, go by coast line that is controlled by the insurgents and they've been attacked. They've been uh, their boats were taken out essentially and sunk and um, they've been held captive and kidnapped and shot at. And also the government forces are also reportedly extorting people traveling these routes and have actually sunk a ship or a boat or two as well. So 
it's pretty serious. And then there's the threat of more advanced operations against, say, LNG assets or uh, more advanced piracy out further into the Mozambique Strait, um, basically enhanced capabilities uh, translated from their their onshore success to their offshore capabilities, which could threaten international trade flows further out from the coast. Right. And uh, what is, what's the response to this? What is the Mozambique military doing? I imagine the international community are very annoyed about this, to say the least, because it's affecting trade. Um, you know, what, what has been the response? Well, uh, the U.S. and Portugal have sent special forces to mm. uh, train. Uh, the EU is, has been negotiating, um, having member states send their special forces. And perhaps most significantly, um, the Southern Africa Development Community, uh, the SPDC, they've uh, proposed the deployment of 3,000 troops. But the Mozambique government is very cautious about accepting help, where they'll accept it, who they'll accept it from, because they don't want prying eyes to see the kind of humanitarian or the the, uh, the atrocities committed by government forces and security contractors that have been reported by various human rights organizations. And the government is kind of arguing they don't want a quagmire to break out when you bring in uh, foreign troops, uh, that kind of issue of the perception of foreign occupation, that can be a major draw and a major uh, Propaganda, a potent propaganda uh, tool for recruitment and incitement and things like that. So, right. Um, and what's the situation going forward then? Have they made any progress trying to, you know, stem these attacks or move ISIS Mozambique out from where they are? Well, the uh, the two major attacks basically garnered all the attention, and then you you notice after these attacks media coverage fades out. There's yeah. still some some good uh, organizations that uh, collect weekly reports and put out weekly uh, statements. And um, you can see that the uh, insurgency is still going strong. So uh, just because the, the media coverage has faded out doesn't mean the conflict has gone away. And it's, it looks like it's going to continue and perhaps worsen. Yeah, it's not looking good. Um, what's the situation for any of the civilians living there? Like, are they are there any left? Are they having to live under like ISIS, as if you know how they did in Syria, or is it just like everybody's gone from there? A lot of their raids, they're roving and predatory, and a lot of their raids, they like to clear people out. So that's why there's a lot of burning down villages and houses. They like to clear the land out so that. Uh, they don't have to control it, but they have freedom of movement through this former population center. So it's better freedom of movement and allows them to um, operate more freely. So they try to get the people out of there in many cases. Um, but the, 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 it's been a, it's caused a mass humanitarian crisis. I mean, uh, three quarters of a million displaced uh, there's disease there's uh, hunger, there's uh, atrocities committed by 
um, both sides against civilians. The roads aren't safe. The waterways aren't safe. And after the attacks, a lot of the people, they hide in the bush for days or weeks um, in unsanitary conditions. So it's a mess, really. And what's the situation then with the special forces? You said like the US sent them, various other countries sent them. Are they like holding areas now themselves or is it just like a one-time thing to keep the ships moving? It seems like it's uh, training and assistance and probably logistical support. Maybe Portugal's more involved, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, the Southern African, the, the uh, Southern African development community will be more involved, I believe, if they are to intervene. I mean, they did propose 3,000 troops, right? So um, it's it's kind of a gridlock, though, at the moment, because the government is hesitant to accept a lot of this support. And they've hired uh, private military contractors to help them. They actually had the, the Russia's Wagner Group, which um, suffered some, some serious losses and then left. And then they had uh, Dykes, which is uh, a South African, um, South African firm, and they have been accused of some uh, pretty brutal atrocities. This could fast turn into a very weird situation. I mean, it already is. You've got paramilitaries or private military contractors from various different countries that on the world stage are competing actually against each other or are enemies even. Um, you've got militaries from different places. You've got ISIS Mozambique. You've got maritime. Like, it's a really bad situation, right? Yeah, it's pretty nasty. And the the government has proven unable to uh, stem the violence and control the situation. So I can't speak for them, not from the region, but I'd imagine they'd have to make some kind of uh, take some kind of drastic measures to get this under control because there's a lot of concern that it's going to turn into the next prolonged insurgency with no end in sight, perhaps grow and spread to neighboring regions. I mean, there's been attacks launched into Tanzania or Tanzania, um, quite sophisticated attacks um, traversing the river at the border. And um, there's concerns that maybe fighters will travel there and then go back to their home countries and launch attacks, things like this. And then, of course, the maritime spillover. So these are some kind of the things that uh, are impelling the um, the regional states and international powers to intervene. Yeah, that is a mess, definitely. Um, Okay, mate, thank you very much. Um, Where can people uh, reach out to you online um, and look at your newsletter and your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter at LucasADWeber, and my substack is LucasWeber.substack.com. So you can find my work there, and I write other places from time to time, but I post those on my Twitter anyway. All right, bro, thanks. All right, thanks a lot. That was Lucas Weber speaking about the very, very bad situation uh, with Mozambique in ISIS uh, and the damage they're doing to uh, international shipping potentially. 
If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popularfront. You get bonus episodes, access to the community discord. You can get your name credited in episodes and on documentaries, um, narrated articles. We've got a whole series up there that's Patreon only. Uh, yeah, there's loads of stuff there. Patreon.com slash Popular Front. Remember, we are 100% grassroots. We do not accept money from any corporate sponsorship or anyone that treats their staff like shit or anything like that. Uh, sponsors uh, this episode, uh, Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. They're an independent coffee business selling only fair trade products. See them at 3875 Southwest. Bond Avenue 97239. Tell them Popular Front sent you. The episode is also sponsored by Grind Core House, a pair of independent coffee shops in Philadelphia, USA. One in South, one in West. Find them on socials at Grind Core House. The episode is also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and writing about historical conflict propaganda from around the world. Buy prints at propagandopolis.com. Use the promo code POPULARFRONT10 for 10% off. Um, find us on uh, social media. Instagram, it's either at popular.front or at popularfront underscore. Um, popularfront underscore is the backup. We did have a different backup, but Instagram deleted that for no reason, even though we'd not even posted on it. Um, fucking absolute scum they are. Um, I hate them. <laughs> always censoring our shit but there you go uh yeah instagram.com slash popular.front twitter is popularfrontco youtube youtube.com slash popularfront uh if you want to follow uh me on anything anywhere just uh at jake underscore hanrahan h-a-n-r-a-h-a-n tell you what it's fucking boiling in britain today i can barely even think straight uh, we're not used to it what else uh, music in this episode the intro was by home and the outro was by Sam Black you can hear his music at samblackpf.com thank you to the high tier Patreons uh, they are Dan Ross Thumper Lisa Milligram Milgram sorry uh, Lupita Valenz Bradley Davies Peter, Pete Hesher RX a. Nickel, Manny, Travis Lieberman, Cherry, Ben Marshall, Dallas Dunn, LD50 Seattle, MJ, K. Glitter Vulcan, Meredith Waters, Bethany Swoveland, Adam H. Larson 8669, Karante, Bjorn Kirsten, Diamond Steen, Jacob, Michael O'Connor, Zach Picard, Todd Cravens, Alexander, Nicholas Butter, Ron Swanson, JD, Jav, Ian Froes, James Colley, Tynan Dali, Michael Akakan, Ethan, Fitz Madrid, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, uh, Clayton Taylor, Mike Barone, Ben, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Giorgio Orani, DR, Trey Nance, Amy R, Rubicon, Frank Austin, Amelia Me, Nawaiz, Christina Rivetti, Freya Northman, Ali Hunter, Moody Al Rashid, Bill Wilson, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, Brian McLaughlin, Tom Lochrin, Young Wasabi, 
Tony Bin, Adam Bergsnyder, JL, Stephen Davila, Anthony Kabarak, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chad Walker, Diana Govinek, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormack, Emily Molly, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock and Moritz Zumbul. Thank you all so much. Without you lot, honestly, I would not be able to keep this afloat. Like I said, we do not take corporate sponsorship or any of that fucking nonsense. Um, thank you very much. Please do support us at patreon.com slash popularfront.